Hello, welcome back to Matt and Brett Love Comics, part two of the Chris Robertson Expose. Expose. Expose, guys. Because he actually sings, I'll never get over you getting over me yeah. at the end of the episode. No, that's not <laughs> what happens. Uh, if you, you should have already listened to uh, Monday's episode where we just chit-chatted about everything from tacos to writing process and poker a little bit, I remember, with Bill yes, Willingham. Yes, Bill Willingham. Uh, now, today, we're going to get back to our book club. What we're known for, our bread and butter, if you will. Yes. With talking to the actual guy who wrote the book. So This is a little bit of a departure for us. Usually yeah. it's us sitting around talking. We don't really, we're not the type of people that, and again, sort of the point of us starting the show was to try to foster the positivity of the things that we love about yes. comics. Not just sit around and shit on everything because shitting on everything does not get anything accomplished yeah, exactly. except a big pile of shit. Except, I will note, that in the future we are going to do X-Force Volume 2 by Rob Liefeld and that will be a different case. Well, that's it. <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to posit my theories about that whenever we, when Ooh, we do excited. get to that. I can't yes, wait. yeah. But uh, yeah, um, I loved iZombie, and I'm, I'm a huge Mike Allred fan, and that's what initially attracted me to it. it with most comics, yeah. the art pulled me in first, but the story that that Chris pulls together here and just so matter of factly takes all of these sort of tropes of sci-fi genres and brings them together oh, in yeah. this weird town in Oregon. So original. So we hope that in the interim you have checked out the first six issues via Zombie. Which are you? Why haven't you? Because they're yes. on Comixology for cheap. Yeah, and they're also in trade paperback form if you need it on your shelf. What and, are you? What are you waiting for? Yeah, and if you haven't yet, we have the links up on the website. Yeah. Get, get you the get the there immediately. Get the you there. <laughs> uh, they're on sale. Uh, I think issue number one is only ninety nine cents. Yeah, on Comixology like one ninety nine. Which yeah. buying a comic book for one ninety nine should bring back good memories. Yeah, for everyone. Yeah, you guys, come on. <laughs> come on. It, they're 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 making it way too easy for you yeah. to get into a really great. Story. Summer of '97. So yeah, go on, go on, go on, and enjoy this book club. Shoot, shoot. You, you get into that interview. Listen you to get it. into that interview. Listen to it. You listen to Chris Robertson right now. Shoot. And Kevin Hines. Segway into iZombie, um, the reason that we're all here. Uh, yes. Uh, yeah, I was introduced to this book by your one of your editors, right, right. Greg Lockard, because uh, I wrote an article for a CBR about LGBT uh, representation in comic books, and I left iZombie off because, well, actually, Spot had not come out yet at that point. Yes. Something like Greg emailed me and was like, hey, we have a character that's about to come out, so you might want to read this. Uh, and he uh, sent me all the books. And, and if was, you are reading it, spoiler. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, I started reading it, and I immediately... It was really interesting actually having that spoiler, and then, I guess, semi-spoiler, I guess, uh, and then reading the first trade and like handful of issues that were out at that point, because I was like... It, that's what made it really special to me is because like Spot Scott does not seem he seems a lot more like me and I am gay than the gay people that are on television. This sounds I am. Well, I think you're. I, I think you're saying oh, that he's yeah. Less like of he, a... Yeah, he like to start with issue six. It's like oh, he is me. Like he's a comic book nerd who never wanted to go outside. Uh, was felt much more comfortable like going into these sci-fi worlds, which is how I spent my entire childhood. Yeah. Uh, and then I realized, I know, gay people are people who, like, dress nice and have manicured fingernails <laughs> and like musicals. And I'm like, I don't, I have, my fingernails are fine, but, <laughs> but I don't like any of those other things. Uh, so that's what, like, like that's such, it was such an important character that 
I was very glad that Greg introduced me to the book, and then also I made sure to include iZombie in every CBR article I wrote after that. <laughs> so Greg did his job. Uh, but yeah, what was the um, what was the creation of iZombie like? Like, how did you get Mike Allred on board, or was this the thing you guys like collaborated with from the get go? The, the short version is it was I pitched a bunch of things to Shelley Bond at Vertigo after completing the first Cinderella miniseries. It spun off of Fables. And Shelly hated every one of my ideas. Um, and then she was basically going to give me one last chance. And that's when um, I pitched the germ of the idea that became iZombie. And so the pitch was basically a paragraph. It was about a girl who comes back as a zombie and doesn't want to hurt people, so she gets a job as a grave digger and then has to solve mysteries. Um, and she liked it, and uh, Karen Berger, the head of Berger, liked it. And they asked me to flesh out a more complete proposal uh, I was going to a convention, um, a comic convention, a science fiction convention in Mississippi that weekend. So while I was supposed to be doing convention stuff, I was just hiding in a corner, basically coming up with the ghost girl and the were terrier and the, the mummy and all the other characters. Um, and then they liked it enough to ask for a sample script, and I had to write that at another convention when I was actually supposed to be doing signings. So I was sitting and talking to people <laughs> um, and then scribbling in a little notebook. So I think it was around that point that um, Shelley asked me um, what kind of artist did I have in mind, or did I have an art style in mind. And I said, you know, that I've always liked the clean line kind of style, like someone like uh, Darwin Cook or Jay Bone. Yeah. Um, and she said, what about somebody like Mike Allred? And I assumed she meant like a starving college student. Um, yeah. <laughs> and I said, somebody like that would be great. And um, then... Mike Allred is on the book because she'd said it to him and he wanted to do it. It kind of sounds like editors don't know the art because they're like, are you okay with having Neil Adams? Are you like someone like yeah. Mike Allred? It's, like, it's yeah. like, you know that these are superstars, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, I have, you know, in my office, the Mad Men lunchbox and the, the <laughs> yo-yo and all the action figures. So I was more than fine with having yeah. you know, Allred be my collaborator on this, and and I'll tell you too. I I've been a I've been a big Allred fan since uh, since way back, and the 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 work that, that that he and Laura do on this book is just it's it's incredible. Um, it, I I I feel like this is one of the best like marriages of of art and color in a book that I've seen in a really long time. Um, just it, it just it just all feels. I, honestly, the the art and the script it felt more like it was coming from one person in this story because I just felt like it worked together that yeah. it all worked together that well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was funny because at the very beginning of uh, the partnership, I would ask Mike um, like what he would want to draw or what kind of things he didn't want to draw, and he said, "Well, what you know, anything you want to do is fine, basically." Um, <laughs> and I, what I found was that because Mike was in so many ways one of my formative influences because I started reading his stuff right when I got out of college, um, right around the time that the first Mad Men started. Um, he was one of my formative influences. And so uh, because of the subject matter, a lot of the things that were coming up in iZombie were things that had been influenced by Mike in the first place, wow. like 20 years ago. Um, and so I think that's why it seemed to be... Um, just a really natural fit because Mike was drawing the things that he liked that I liked because he liked them in the first place. If that makes sense at all. Yeah. Well, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, his work on the, uh, and this, uh, we're going over the first six issues with this and like, yeah, the part where uh, uh, she's being taught about the souls, yeah, kind of like oh, stepping in and out of the the, the panels, 
Like, his art was so perfect for that. Yeah. That, like, you know, a lot of artists could do that, but not many as well. Yeah, it's, and also, like, the, I feel like the, um, the, the part where, oh, where Horatio and, uh, Gwen are, like, on their first date or whatever, and it's that one page, and it's like, and he just draws them in, like, pairs all over the page, like, showing the passing of time. It's like, that's just another brilliant layout. Like, that's a really, that's a funny example, because, so that was as described in the script, but I described it like that to Mike, because he had done a very similar scene with Madman and Josephine um, in one of the color Madman Adventures, like, 18 years ago. Yeah. (laughs) Did you cite that in your script? Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. My early scripts to Mike were filled, for at least the first year, were filled with, (laughs) hey, um, you remember that one time where you did this really cool thing in Madman? You Chris Farley showed all of your scripts. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, it was really cool. Yeah, it's essentially, like, you're writing, like, the greatest hits of Mike Allred. It's like, (laughs) that's... Like, also, I want, I really like the fact that you said that they started off with just the idea of, like, girl comes back as a zombie, uh, gets job as grave digger because she doesn't want to eat anyone. Um, then you were told, flesh it out a little bit, and then you created, essentially, a ridiculously complex, uh, intricate, elaborate, like, system and universe that now that I've read up to the most current issue, I see, oh, it's all in place. Yeah. Like, right here at the beginning, oh, like... Uh, yeah. How... How that's that's so much stuff. Like, how long did it take you to come up with like all the mythology and the like uh, government and like you know uh, forces and whatnot? Like, that's so much stuff to come up with. Um, I get really <laughs> bored on planes, and so that the the basic structure of the way the souls work and who the characters were, um, and the, the rough basics of of the different organizations not not the dead presidents, but the, but the 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 grave diggers. Yeah. That all came about all over the course of the flight to and for, between Austin and, and Biloxi and back again. Wow. Wow. So, um, so the, the, at what point did you kind of uh, come up with the, uh, the idea of the oversoul and the undersoul sort of affecting the entire, uh, I don't want to say, sort of, you know, it sort of runs the gamut of the entire monster genre. Yeah. Which is really exciting that you found a way to, to tie them all together with one theme. Was that uh, was that one of the first ideas that you came up with and everything fell into place after that? Or were you looking for more of a universal theme to pull everything together? Uh, it's really more the former. I mean, that was one of the starting places. Because I, I think that it's probably the result of a, a, a misspent youth uh, reading entirely too many role-playing game manuals. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just like, you know, invented worlds that have a system that's easy to grasp, but that there are all kinds of interesting permutations for it. Um, so I wanted to come up with a really simple, you know, you could state it in a sentence or two, explanation for everything supernatural. Yeah. And then spent really months. The, 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 you know, the wear terrier and the ghost and the zombie were the easy ones. Um, I spent the, probably the better part of five or six months figuring out all the other things you could do with that system. And one of my regrets with uh, uh, the book's impending demise is that uh, I was never able to get my giant mutated kaiju monster in. Because ah! I, it. <laughs> oh, man. I mean, I love I love rules, uh, and then seeing how you can play with those rules and push up against them and manipulate them without breaking them is always. Yeah. So exciting. Yeah. As a reader uh, or watcher, like TV, whatever, it's just like every show that has rules that are clear, it's like, oh, you found another way to 
surprise me despite me knowing all these rules. Well, Kevin, yeah. that's Kevin, that's sort of a way that's sort of also really true in how you perform as well. You you do that a lot on stage to to great effect. Sure, but I don't notice it when I do it. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah cuz it's like Kevin is an, an amazing straight man. I would say. You also do great characters. Thank you. But you also tend to end up being on teams with a bunch of crazy people. Like sure. on Flan, you were the... Yes, I had to be a straight man on that team. Yeah, the, yes. the rule enforcer. So I I really I, I enjoy rules as well, yeah. but I'm a crazy person. So I like all of the crazy shit like... Uh, te- like college-age vampire girls running a paintball course. <laughs> sure. like, I was like, that is great! Yeah. You know, it's funny. That, that was kind of a way to make a somewhat arbitrary rule work because one of the notes originally um they ran like a nightclub yeah and i i had no familiarity with true blood and uh. so um uh, greg's predecessor as the assistant editor pointed out that there was a vampire nightclub there or a bar or something um and i had to do something else so that one restriction was no bar or something else and the other restriction was that the editor, Shelley Bond, was obsessed for some reason with paintball. Like, for some reason, like, <laughs> well, she you, never played You it. know this will she get in there. It's like... <laughs> right, yeah. um, and so she, her only note was, find a way to work paintball. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it works, though, too, especially yeah. with, with a setting like Eugene where, you know, I'm... I'm not an Oregonian or anything, but when I think of when I think of Oregon, I do think of forest and that yeah. sort of uh, natural environment like yeah. that. And and I think it's a I think it's a really you know uh, I think it's a much more interesting idea than uh, than than vampires running a nightclub because yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. it also adds more to the the character of the town because like this isn't. This is not set in like Marvel's New York City or like Batman's Gotham. It seems like oh, it's in Eugene. Like it feels like just a town, like that you know has like a diner and has sure. a paintball. You know. It's like Sunnydale or uh, yeah, all these other great things. Yeah, like, yeah, it's like yeah. A nice, tiny thing. And I really like um, <laughs> one of the things that I really enjoyed about the book too is a sort of uh, matter of fact nature of. The way that everyone's condition, for lack of a better word, is is brought up. So you don't um, just because uh, from an improv standpoint, uh, you know, a lot of times when when you perform on stage, you just want to kind of accept a piece of information and move forward instead of stopping to be surprised and, and kind of oh, yeah, spin your yeah. wheels. And and we did, there wasn't a lot of wheel spinning here. There was a lot of forward momentum in this story, and yeah. uh, and it's it's yeah, really I, fun. I really love like. When Gwen is getting the whole rundown of, of like how the Oversoul Oversoul works, like she doesn't like she makes a joke that I always thought was like this really funny aside that I'm trying to find right now. Oh, we will uh, not be under. Oh yeah, we will not be under. And he's yeah. just like, what? And he's like, never mind, go on. Like I just love that. I yeah. love I love little bits like that. Like, <laughs> so well, I think that because for me as the reader and and and, and viewer um, of other people's work. That's always the step that I find the most laborious to get through. Yeah, it's, it's the skepticism step. Yeah, because you know it yeah. has to happen. Someone's, you know, they, they, whatever weird divergence from the normal experience. Um, there's going to be some sort of period of adjustment, and acclimation. Yeah, you get it. Just skip over it, and that's why the story starts with her already in her condition. Because I thought that the most boring thing in the world would oh, be yeah. to spend any amount of, you know, page time showing her figuring out that she was a zombie. Sure. Just uh, get, get cut to the chase. That's really smart. I hate uh, 
waiting an hour to see King Kong in a movie called King Kong. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, or how we're going to have to watch Spider-Man's origin again yeah. for like the millionth time this summer. You don't have like, to. <laughs> no, I have to. I don't have to. Yeah. No. Yeah, I mean, I like, I love starting with like, this is what's happening. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it's great. Well, no, I also like, the same thing with like Ellie and Spot too. Like in both of their origin issues, uh, like Ellie's is heartbreaking and spots in issue six is also like great and i love the fact that we're learning those things after we've already spent time with them yeah. uh and it's also like i feel like with both of them you're not learning so much their origin of like how did they become a ghost and a wear terrier you're more like it's like how did they become the personality that they are like the yeah. person that yeah. they are which is much more important than you know well i want to know how they turned into a monster yeah like, and it's it, not, well it's it, sort of plot it, versus character right yeah yeah uh and, and i like that I, I like that it's the origin stories are more about the character than than the event yeah right yeah. right yeah the origin of uh scott is he touched a dog yeah yeah <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah he touched a dog when he was done yeah it's literally like it's one page in the entire issue and it's like yeah because the important the cool yeah. stuff is the fact that he was raised by his grandfather was it always your intent to have Scott uh, be gay from the start, or was that something that just, like, came about naturally? Um, I think that I made the decision, or I made the realization, to be honest. It wasn't a decision so much as I realized that Scott, that Scott was gay in the process of writing the first handful of issues. Okay. Um, I think the character was created without that in mind. Um, and then I think... I'd already done a couple of scripts, and that's when it occurred to me. Did you know by issue six, like when you wrote his origin, did you know by then? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He's teased about being gay very early. In the first issue, he's teased about it, yeah. Mm -hmm. Which is also like, and that's also, I, I love that that's the case, because it seems to me that a lot of characters who are I don't know. I don't even know if I'm going to actually have anything to back this up with. I feel like the wrong way to create a character who's gay is to have... Well, they're the gay character. Like, that'd be the fundamental thing about them. I like the fact that Scott was created as an individual character, and then you realize, oh, well, he's also this. Okay, cool. I've I've done this before. Um, One of of the last prose novels that I did that came out um, was a book that there was, like... Three or four main characters, um, three of which were men, um, and it's set in three different time periods. And one of the characters was very consciously uh, intended to be a gay man. And it wasn't until I was well into the outlining process that I realized a second one was as well. And it wasn't until the book was published that I realized the third one was probably in the closet. Um, <laughs> so if I just had enough time, I could have figured it out. <laughs> uh, I also love, like, I mean, just, just to make this all about me. Sure. Uh, but also, I mean, like, I was called gay a whole bunch in high school before I even knew it about myself. So that was, like, all I relate to that. Uh, and then I also related to the issue where he goes on his first date with, um, I can't remember what his name is. Uh, Gavin. Gavin. I was going to say Gavin. Uh, I was going to say it, guys. I knew it. Uh, when he goes on their first date, and it goes, like, okay, but then the next day when he goes to, like, see him again, like, Gavin has been, like, he's not, he's been, like, possessed. So he's not, he's mean to him. Uh, so it's not the same reason that my first kiss was mean to me back, but it was like, oh, I know exactly what Scott is going through. Yeah. And he was like, oh, this is... It was just really nice to actually read that in a comic book. I also to see a story like that in a comic book because you don't really 
those stories aren't told at all, really. Uh, it's just now, like with this and like Avengers Academy, where there's actually people telling stories of gay people like realizing it or actually like addressing the issue. So it's just really, it was really awesome. Realizing it's one thing, but you don't see a lot, I think, of the awkwardness of the yeah. initial going out moment. Yeah, the first date, or like the first, like that is, yeah, that's a. Or like the first time go like, I'm not gay, but just from talking to people, like the first time going to like even just a gay bar. Yeah. And like being like, I'm scared. I've never done this before. Yeah. I don't see that covered too much. Yeah. That's kind of why I'm bummed that the, I mean, I'm bummed that the series is ending for a lot of reasons, but I'm also bummed that, like, we're losing this character, because I feel like it's a really awesome character that I... Well, I, I was very glad to be, that we at least had time uh, to get through that arc for him, um, because it was something that I hadn't planned uh, by the time we introduced Gavin, I think in issue five. That yeah. was the long-range plan. Although he is in the first issue... Like for a panel, right? Yeah, yeah. 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 Well, so we glimpsed him, and then that then I realized that was the larger role he would play. Yeah. <laughs> it's and like I very quickly that he would be uh, possessed by a homophobic ghost. Too. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I love that. There's so much like if this is true, then what else is true? In yeah, this book too, which is amazing. <laughs> so is uh, is uh, I'm a little behind. Is I Zombie being? Uh, is it ending because of sales? Is that the main issue? That that was the. That was probably the the camel straw thing. Oh, um, I mean, the sales were never that great. They were fairly solid, but fairly low. And um, realistically, with any um, creator-owned book for which there's a page rate paid in advance, um, and it's not just earning on the back end, um, the sales are probably going to skate down past the point where it's no longer profitable to do anyway. Yeah. So I'd, I'd seen that coming for a while, and then they let me know a few months ago that we had until issue 28 to get it wrapped up. And what issue were you on at that time? Um, I had just turned. I just started work on issue 24. Oh man, I know. Uh, I know a lot. There, there are uh, websites like I know the Beat will often show like month to month sales stats, and they are skewed. And I know they're not. A hundred percent accurate. Uh, how do you feel as a creator? With uh, uh, I know some creators are upset that that information can get out and sort of cause a panic in a book that may be at a level that is uh, that that could go either way. What, what's your opinion on that? Well, you know, I, I I do know that there's lots of creators that take umbrage at that kind of thing, um, which which I can kind of understand. But at the same time, you know, those are trends that are going to happen anyway. I think the fear is that it might be amplified if people are aware of it. Yeah. But, you know, I know about enough about enough different aspects of publishing and retail to know that there's a million different factors that can play into whether or not a thing sells. Um, and it's really hard to blame that, you know, information getting out being the thing that really killed the book. Yeah. Oh, so, certainly. Yeah, yeah I, I think like, the readers for not buying it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, just the Vertigo sales in general just break my heart. I want all those books. I almost love every one of them, even the ones I don't like. I want them to sell well, and it breaks my heart that they don't do better. Yeah, yeah. anything that isn't superheroes. I love superheroes, but I, I like superheroes. The older too. I get, it's more like I. But that I'm really space excited man, by other things. that spaceman yeah. is selling like a fraction of what Hundred Bullets ended at. Breaks my heart. I'm just like it's the same guys. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
Is there any plans? I mean, I don't know. I mean, this could be getting to touchy subjects, but like, do you have the rights to iZombie? <laughs> like, can you, is there any chance of like optioning it for like a cartoon or a movie? Like, whose decision does that fall to? Is that even something you would want to pursue? That's a simple question and a sticky question that you ask right next to each other. Um, <laughs> the, the simple answer is that the, the rights, the book is owned by uh, Mike Allred and me. Um, the, the current, um, the rights are controlled for the moment by DC Entertainment um, until the rights revert to me and Mike which will happen at some point in the next few years. It's not right away. There's a number of kind of like trigger points that have to happen. And then actions that like letters need to be sent and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so for the moment, the, the rights are controlled by DC entertainment. Um, and as far as them getting developed, unfortunately there've been several attempts, um, to turn it into a television show. Um, but all of those offers were, were turned down. um, <laughs> Because it, at least over the course of the last few years, it used to be that that was one of the things that would entice creators to do books with Vertigo. Yeah. Because then it'd be fairly high profile, and then you could sell the rights to make a movie or a TV show or what have you. Um, but I think somebody along the way, higher up in Time Warner, realized they were selling off rights to things that it would maybe benefit them to hang on to. And so because... Time Warner is also the entity that has the rights to negotiate and sell the option. Um, they just don't sell it. And so instead they sit on the rights unoptioned uh, until such time as they maybe want to do something with it. Yeah. So sadly, no iZombie TV show in the author. That's... Has any Vertigo series spun off into a TV show? I'm... No. Yeah, I mean, like, there was a John Constantine movie. Oh, right. Well, that uh, was... But, like, that... He sort of skirts the line between yeah. Swamp Thing cartoon and the right. yeah, in the early nineties. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess I'm thinking of like creator developed. Yeah, I mean there was the uh, whole like Fables ABC debacle where they right. I don't even know all the details. And you of hear that, rumors but... about things like with Preacher and Sandman. Yeah, but, but like, like nothing's right. ever been made. I mean they just brought up all those Sandman rumors again like earlier this year where it's like don't stop bringing up stop, it's not news guys like it's not going to happen. Don't let even it write go. It. Yes. Let, it go. let us know when it happens. Yeah, <laughs> that's a real bummer. Like I. I want more. <laughs> when you uh, when when you write, is that is that something that ever uh, is that do do you treat that as sort of a, a nice to have, or is that uh, or is that something that you that you're uh, hoping actually does? Is that part of your plan when you're uh, when you're sort of plotting out a book or uh, putting together a story? Um, at this point, like with things like Memorial and, and Forward, it's 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 just a nice to have. I would love for someone to give me a bunch of money for work. <laughs> yeah, money. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, with iZombie, iZombie was very um, <clears throat> intentionally structured as a thing that could be turned into a television show cheaply. Yeah, yeah. Um, it has at least in the beginning. The editor kept pushing me to add more locations, but in the first few issues. There are just a handful of locations they go to. Oh, yeah, that is right. Wow. Mm -hmm. That was intentional. Uh, wow. Um, and that there was nothing in terms of effects that would be too out of, out of hand. So you could look at the first, you know, four or five issues of iZombie, and up until issue four, where they go on the crazy walk through history, yeah. there's nothing that would cost above a catering budget to do. Yeah. 
Well, that's really true. But, uh, it, it seems like there is. It seems like very savvy fans on YouTube could create their own iZombie series because I've seen like the crazy people who make the like the X Men YouTube series and they have like twenty of their friends wearing like sweatshirts with duct tape on them, but like amazing special effects. It's like uh, put your work towards something better. <laughs> <laughs> be interesting to see. I would just prefer those people to make their own thing, and then they could get yeah. money. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. Yeah, yeah. Um, that seems to be that, that seems to be a sticking point right now in in a lot of mainstream comics. Is there's not a there's a lot of mining of the history, but not a lot of sort of new creations or ideas. Yeah, which is why I like I get really into. Zombie, and also like it's like reading iZombie Memorial. It's like, oh yeah, this is what it's like to dive into a world that I don't already know, like the back of my hand. And also, I'm not constantly comparing it to, well, this isn't as good as what Claremont did, or this isn't doesn't look like what Jim Lee did. Like, uh, I, it's nice. Uh, iZombie Six. I, as I was reading it on my uh, on my phone on the train, um, I had because it's uh, 2012, and that's what happened. The way comics were meant to be read. The way comics were meant to be read, just squinting at on a tiny device in the palm of your hand. Uh, I I knew, like, I really fell in love with that issue so much. Uh, I looked up, and I had a big, dumb smile on my face, and I was the guy that people were walking by in the subway car yeah. looking at, like, oh, don't disturb the crazy man while he... Uh, <laughs> yeah. While he reads his book about zombies. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but that, that book, that issue especially, boy, that just felt like, uh, that felt like something that could have been like a, like the cutaways and everything just felt very much like a Saturday morning cartoon. Like, like yeah. if Scott were the protagonist of I, Zombie, like this would have been uh, a Saturday morning cartoon instead of a comic book. Yeah. There's... The page... A darkly I'll... real Saturday morning oh, cartoon. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, and I, uh, yeah... Saturday morning cartoons well, that deal with death. You know, I've approached it on the level of a Hanna-Barbera show the entire time. I mean, yeah. I guess, you know, because to me, the, the fact that um, occasionally monsters get killed or people's dead people's brains get eaten, I, I really don't think about that much. So for me, it's just like this um, slow-rolling romantic comedy with all these wacky <laughs> characters. Yeah. yeah. I love the... I mean, that's obviously a dig at Wolverine on the issue where... Scott is imagining the three of them as like a crime fighting duo. He's like, not a kid. Canine has anything to say about it, bub. That's <laughs> like, that's great. That, that, <laughs> there's a little bit of Wolverine there, but but by and large, the DNA of that is uh, the Legion of Superheroes. Oh, oh yeah, oh, they yeah. look very Legion. Uh, yeah, the costume designs there. Yeah, the names are very Legion. Well, I hear the word bub, and <laughs> as sure. as me, I go to there. Uh, Says the guy well, wearing the X Men T-shirt. It yeah. was a rip off of Timberwolf. From the Legion of Superheroes. Yes. Yeah. That was knocked back in the seventies, at least. Well, that was uh, because then when they went to the uh, the first time they visited the Shi'ar, uh, <laughs> they sort of dressed uh, uh, they sort of dressed Wolverine up to look exactly like him. Well, he knocked out the Timberwolf analog from the Imperial Guard and stole his outfit. Oh yeah, yeah. Fang. Yeah. They're uh, oh yeah they are okay. I love how ridiculous it all sounds when you just discuss it so plainly. Yeah. <laughs> I never read those, but like... Yeah. This is, yeah, I'm a 27-year-old man. This is what I... When yes. Wolverine goes to the Sheer Galaxy and knocks out the Timberwolf analog... <laughs> yes. Like, what are we? What? Oh, uh, right. yeah. Yeah, that's... But I followed it, so yeah. that's the... Yeah, I'm, I'm 41 and I make my living doing this shit, so... Yes. I'm... I mean, we're all comedians, so... There's... <laughs> there's a parallel of... What am I doing? <laughs> yeah. 
Does that ever no. go away? The what am I doing with my life? Uh, do you still are you are you? Uh, I'm trying to think of what I'm trying to say here. I don't, <laughs> sometimes I wonder, like, is it even worth it? Where am I going? In the low points, in the low points, does it does it feel like those are the the those are the reasons always when you're on the high points of like I can't believe I'm doing this for a living. But then does that become the lowest point when you're like ah I can't believe that this. Yeah. That's what I'm doing. Just give me a nine to five, like a salary, like oh. Yeah. But because I've, I've had those crappy jobs. I've had crappy day jobs and sat in an office and worn a tie. And um, you know, luckily I, I I married a lady who makes more money than me, uh, which made it easier to to get rid of. But you know, even at the, the worst of it, you know, if I'm grousing about having to do some stupid thing, I think, well, you know. I write comics for a living. I really don't get to complain. You know, my yeah. commute is down the hall. And um, I make up stories for really talented people to draw. So there really isn't that much of a... The, the, down, the, the, the downish part still beats the best day answering phones at Dell computers on the tech support line. <laughs> How much of that... I'm sh- did that influence uh, Spot's job? Was that... Yeah, that's, that was my job. That yeah. was my job. <laughs> um, before, when I lived in San Francisco, actually, it was pretty much that job. Yeah, those conversations felt pretty real yeah. <laughs> when they were in the tech office. Yeah, that was great. Uh, I've done that. <laughs> how um so so because of sales, I mean, you you you're you're going to have to walk away from iZombie. How hard is it to sort of create something like that and then uh through through no through powers kind of out of your hands have to walk away from it? Um, it, it feels like a victory because we got to do it for this long and we got enough lead time before the end that we're going to be able to get to the conclusion we were heading for. Yeah. So we, we won't get to spend as much time like stopping and smelling the roses along the way, but I'm going to be able to get every character and every relationship to its conclusion by the end of issue 28. Sadly, right now it feels like two plus years and a new idea is good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, even like, I mean, Marvel can't even get a Ghost Rider series to sell. They never have been. Like, even at the big two, like, nothing lasts past eight to ten issues. And even, so like for an indie book, or like Vertigo book to make to 28, it's like, that's, that's great. <laughs> that's kind of sad. Yeah. I hate, it's like, huh. Marvel, everything she can Marvel can't get anything to sell right now unless it's Avengers Five. Yeah, <laughs> just like it's like yeah. uh, everything is the same uh, thing over and over again. We love the concept of I Zombie. What if it was I Avengers? Yeah, <laughs> that's next. <laughs> Where did the name I Zombie come from? Too, I've always kind of wondered that. I mean, is it like an i iPod iPad ripoff or not ripoff, but like homage? Because well, it's stylized like that sometimes. The, the title was actually suggested by Vertigo, and originally it was I, comma, zombie. Yeah, because like of I, I Vampire. Oh, yeah, I yeah. Um, and they were, they were at that point trying to put together plans to do a line of I monster books, and so it'll be I zombie, I vampire, I werewolf, I think. But I zombie is the only one that actually happened. <laughs> oh. um, and so the, the last moment... Um, I didn't like the comma in the title. So I, I didn't like a title that's two words as a comma. It seemed yeah. So um, I think I asked, you know, what, you know, let, what if we scratch it together? And then 
the editorial came back with the make it the lowercase i. Yeah. And I, the moments had hesitation because it seemed a little too on the nose and trendy. But I also exactly what I thought it was. Was <laughs> uh. that? Oh, so like, yeah, that's exactly what I. Yeah. I, I thought the thing you didn't want people thinking. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I was okay with it because uh, I think that iCarly is one of the best shows on television. <laughs> I watched that show, and I think it's if I were if I were like twelve years old, I'm pretty sure all I would be talking about would be that and uh, Last Airbender. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's half of what I talk about. <laughs> Well, you're moving out to Portland, which is where Dark Horse is located, who has the Avatar rights, so I'm just saying, you should, you should write Avatar, right? I mean, <laughs> it's that easy, right? Yeah, it's that yeah. easy. You just knock on the door at Dark Horse. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think at this point I might prefer to write The Legend of Korra, because after three episodes, oh. I'm digging it. Yeah, I've watched the the first two were free on iTunes, I still haven't got my season pass, but those first two were fantastic like exactly how you should do a follow-up it's like and they're not taking their time like it no. is off to the races yeah God. that that watching things like that is like oh now i'm just getting really worked up it's like watching things like that just <laughs> make me want to my mustache is going crazy uh it makes me really excited that like oh people are creating things like these are new things and it's just like really cora is fantastic uh, it doesn't get you doesn't it make you frustrated impatient with things that suck though yeah like, yeah it, see something good and you look at stuff that's just half-assed mediocre. You're like, why are, Why would you waste your time? Either as a consumer or as the person making that thing. Yeah. Well, it's like, just let... It's kind of like, just let the creative people be creative. I, I, it's like one of the saddest... The older that I get, the more I become more aware of the business end of things. And the, and now, like, the internet, it's so much easier to like, just read the blog. And it's like, oh, yeah... All these things I loved as kids are run by corporations, and the corporations only care about making money. Stories be damned. And it's, I, I kind of wish that I could go back to being like eight and oblivious to all this stuff. But it's like it's really sad to like learn. Oh yeah, it's very hard to get actual creativity out of these giant systems. It's really well, you sad. could try to you could try to secure some sort of head injury, and then yeah. <laughs> Close to that, that mental state. Yeah. Or maybe I'll get superpowers out of whatever gives me a head injury. And there you go. And it'll be amazing. Or or you suffer a severe head injury and your mustache takes over. And <laughs> I'm shaving. If, if it. anything, this podcast is just making Chris want to see your mustache. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, double. My curiosity. I'm, I'm, I have to confess. There, <laughs> there are twit pics. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, I guess like uh, I guess that brings us to the end of our discussion. Uh, it was really great having you. Well, thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, uh, is there anything... I mean, we've, we've probably plugged most everything that you're working on. Is there anything that we want to say to Chris? Or I'd love for you to plug your next controversial statement. That'd be... Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, uh, stay tuned. It's probably online tomorrow. <laughs> oh, oh my. Okay. Oh, geez. This is going up in, like, a couple weeks, so... Well, then, then, then stay tuned two weeks ago. Yeah, guys, yeah. did you hear that? Yeah. That was... Or you can just make one, another... Make another controversial statement the day after this goes on. You know just, what? You know, if, 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 if uh, the past few weeks is an experience, I'm sure that I will. Okay, great, yeah. <laughs> just, just go ahead and, like, write them down. Save them as, like, drafts on Twitter and just, like, schedule them to go out over the next couple of weeks. How um how has it, it been sort of... Uh, uh, how has the, the reaction been... To you, with uh, with the way everything's sort of shaken out so far, uh, you know, uh, you know, absolutely fantastic. Um, yeah. Because I honestly didn't think I was telling. I felt, you know, a few hundred to a couple thousand people who I converse with on Twitter or who listen when I talk, 
uh, my reasons for why I didn't want to work for this company anymore. Um, and then for whatever reason, like that statement resonated pretty far. But what's been really refreshing is that, um, you know, beyond the number of people who publicly and privately have kind of come forward to either like say they respected my opinion or they agreed with me. It's nice that it has spurred a conversation, not about me, because, you know, I wasn't quitting for anything to do with me. Yeah. Uh, um, but that it spurred a conversation about creators' rights and about, the, you know, the, the, the legacy of, of the, the, you know, the guys who created a bunch of these characters in the first place or the living creators um, of works that are still being exploited. So um, I think anything that, that engenders more conversations about those topics is a positive. Yeah, definitely. Maybe we should have talked about that tonight. Uh, <laughs> we're talking about. Okay. Do, you, do you feel like? Uh, do you feel like it's something that could? In a, do you feel like it's something that could hopefully change soon, or is it still? Or are we still at a point where Kevin, <laughs> Kevin, is, Kevin just, is like, nope. He looks at he's, he's looking at Matt right like now. he's an idiot. Yeah, <laughs> I don't see that well, happening. No, it's, it's all a question of of, of um, public perception and public pressure because. Things have changed, and things have improved gradually, kind of by leaps and bounds every few decades. And think the, the, the lot of creators now, of creator-owned properties, is immeasurably better than the working conditions and financial remunerations of anyone working in comics before 1976. Yeah. Um, so we've, we've come a considerable way. I mean, there's still... There's still things that need to be addressed, but we have made progress. Um, but I think it's it's it would be a mistake to think that oh everything's fine we can stop here. Uh, I'm a progressive, and the thing about being a progressive is you have to continue to progress. You, you don't just call your shot and you're done. Yeah. Um, things can always be improved. I just I guess I just feel like most of the I mean from the outside most of the good changes that have happened in that sense happened during upticks and comic sales having big jump ups where it's like like I think image formation was a big uh, a good step forward it like started some good stuff happening and that happened when comics were booming and like yeah. I feel like that's when I see mo- and like even if, even if you look at Alan Moore's Watchmen deal uh, as a step way better than what had been before even though it ended up being a crummy deal uh, that only happened because comics were doing really well at that time compared to five, six years before. Right now, we're just comics are scrambling we're to a little bit figure of a out something. Yeah, uh, there's movies are doing well. Yeah, I think I think as as much as it's when comics are doing well, it's when it's when things change. I mean, it's whenever if the landscape is kind of steady state, um, no one wants to rock the boat and everything stays the same. Um, whenever things start changing, and so the the knock on effect of the Image 7 leaving Marvel was that it forced the larger corporations to offer better deals to the people that they wanted to retain. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I think that what's happening now, or what's a, what's potentially about to happen, we, we haven't seen it yet, but it's really, really soon, I think, is um, that as the sales of print comics has continued to kind of generally slope off slowly over the course of the last, well, 80 years, but yeah. you know, certainly accelerating the last few, that over the course of the last year and a half or so, the sales of comics digitally has risen at a really steep rate. Um, as more and more people are 
either reading pho- uh, reading on their phones, like Matt or- on the subway, scaring people. I I read yeah. exclusively digital now, and I've been a comic reader for most. I'm 31. I've been a comic reader since I was four. Yeah. So the thing is, is that a lot of the a lot of the things that have kept the bar- barred entry or or barred the movement of creators from being employees essentially of some publisher to doing their own thing are the cost of production and distribution. Yes. And and so if you remove those, and so comiXology serves as everything you need. You know, it's, it's this one place where whoever's creating the thing, whether it's the publisher or the creator themselves, supplies to comiXology, and comiXology sells it to everybody that wants it all over the entire planet. Yeah. So, um... It is entirely possible that you could see a really big sea change away from, not with the big corporate-owned superheroics as much, but for creator-owned or independent or smaller companies to start doing individual issue sales entirely digitally and then selling collections on the back end if someone wants a hard copy for their library. Yeah, um, it's like that, now the indies, the in, in, like an indie creator now has the exact same. They can reach the exact same. People that people. Marvel and DC can like, there's no barrier except just people knowing that this indie thing exists. <laughs> exactly. So the so the, the kinds of stumbling blocks that people have now, which is the retailer ordering it to carry in the shop. How many copies are they going to have in the shop? Um, what happens if they sell out? You know, if the, the retailer orders three copies of an independent book and they sell out, then the fourth person to walk in will never know it existed. Yep. Yeah. Um, but with digital, it never goes out of print, and it never moves off the front shelf. So basically, it's always there. Um, I think it's going to change things significantly. Have uh, Have you thought about or, or uh, approached any stories as you've been writing um, with uh, with more of a, a a bent towards what digital? How you can tell a story differently with digital versus uh, versus a print? Uh, ask me again the first week of July. Ah. Ooh. I like it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's an exciting answer. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a to be continued. Right, unless yeah. the answer is no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like first week of July, we get like a tweet, and I was like, oh, but no, guys. No, sorry. <laughs> Way bait of breath. Yeah, I, I mean, I still buy physically 30 titles a month, which thanks to the glory of double shipping, means more like 45, and I have to drop books. Yep. Because just because you put a comic I read out three times a month, Marvel, doesn't mean I'm going to buy it because I can't sustain that money. Bleed me dry. Uh, but now, like, digital is so... It's, it's For someone like me, who's only read physically my entire life, is like, okay, it's this new... It's like this sexy new thing. It's like I've been in the relationship, like, married to comic books... And now there's like this really hot young thing. My mustache makes this a lot it's, uh, than what I'm saying. It's Vanilla Ice in yeah. uh, in Cool as Ice. Oh yeah, how have we not zero. brought up Cool as Ice yet? Yeah, uh, but I, I'm I'm <laughs> uh, I'm really excited by digital and everything that is going on in in that. Aspect. That so, uh, so, so, in terms of the first week in July, is there anything that you would uh, that you would like to plug as well uh, oh, as we're wrapping up? About the only thing I can talk about is uh, my I have a prose science fiction novel uh, called Further Beyond the Threshold. It's coming out uh, in May, 
from uh, Amazon's new um, science fiction imprint, Forty Seven North. Oh, oh, awesome! Nice. We'll uh, we'll definitely link to that. And also the uh, memorial. Memorial. There's a what in it? The what? Fucking monkey. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah, of course. Uh, and memorial still has two, two more issues, issues, right? Yeah, it's a six issue mini. Yeah, six issue mini with more on the horizon. Good. And you have and and uh, you have a few teases. Uh, any other any other dates you want us to look out for? <laughs> uh, so first week of July, uh, and then uh, at San Diego Comic Convention, another thing okay. will be announced. Awesome. Uh, so we've, um, we've plugged the first week of July and San Diego Comic Con. I like this. Yeah. It's basically the month of July. <laughs> okay, it, good. It just comes out then. It's a good month. And they can, uh, people can also follow you on Twitter. Uh, <laughs> Chris underscore Robertson, um, and I am prone to... Um, Make career-ending statements. Uh, also, drunk tweeting movies. Yes. I, I remember the, the night that you did Big Trouble in Little China was literally the night after me and my boyfriend watched it on Netflix, like stumbled across it. So I was like, oh. Wow. That's... You'd never seen it before. No, I'd never seen it before. Uh, all right. Uh, what a treat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> Awesome. Uh, and Kevin, where can everyone find you? Uh, every Saturday night at the UCB Theater uh, at 7.30 p.m. So if you're in New York, uh, you know, go to ucbtheater.com and just see any show. But I'm in the one Saturday night. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, this is Brett White. You can follow me on Twitter at, at Brett White. I'm also on the UCB sketch team Everything Rabbits. And I have a uh, column starting for Comic Book Resources that has probably already started by the time this has gone up. So I will stop talking about it with hesitancy, like I have been for the past couple episodes. Uh, and Matt? And I'm Matt Little. You can follow me on Twitter, uh, twitter.com slash thematlittle. Uh, I also have a monthly sketch show at UCB that's also a monthly podcast called Left Handed Radio, lefthandedradio.com. Uh, check that out and keep coming back to mattandbrettlovecomics.com. Leave some reviews on iTunes if you can. Uh, tweet at us. Let us know what you think. Um, I can't thank you enough, Chris, for, for being on the show. Yeah. Sure, happy to be here. It was great. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, well, thanks, everybody, and we will see... We, we always say we will see them, and then we always talk about how we say we see them, which we can't. Yep. So, we will talk at you next time. We'll be in your earbuds soon enough. <laughs> yes. You guys need an outline. Yeah, we yeah. Still, we're still working on the outline. And that was our outline. <laughs>